Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. At Valleywise Health, we believe every woman deserves to thrive, and that means being healthy and happy at every stage of life. So today, we're answering your top question about women's health and what every woman needs to know to live her best life. Joining us to discuss this today is family nurse practitioner Zaquina Coleman. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So one of the first questions I thought we'd start with is, you know, many of our female patients will go see a obstetric gynecology physician. What is the difference between obstetrics and gynecology and why are these combined into one specialty? Okay, so the main reason they're combined is so that a woman can go see one person for kind of holistic care. So regardless if she's pregnant or not pregnant, she can go see this particular provider to kind of meet all of those needs. And so an obstetrician deals with you when you're pregnant, prior to pregnancy for preconception counseling, things of that sort, and also in that postpartum period after you have a baby to make sure you're recovering appropriately and make sure that you're, that everything is kind of going back to normal as far as, you know, your gynecological organs, the uterus, ovaries, and those type of things. The gynecologist deals with everything that does not pertain to you being pregnant or wanting to be pregnant. So if you're having menstrual issues, if you're having breast concerns, pelvic pain, pain with intercourse, all of those different things is what a gynecologist can see you for. The first point that you made there is very important. It is it's a single provider that's able to provide this you know great spectrum of care for our female patients and our uh, that that need that type of care. Yeah, and definitely most times women only go to their gynecologist. They may not go to a primary care provider at all. So that's why a lot of times the well woman exams are uh, very vital is because we can cover some of those things for women in that setting. And so if we need to send them to particular places for a particular thing, we can initially do those things and provide that kind of preventative care for them at least once a year through that well woman exam. So as a woman is going through her life, when should someone have their first gynecologic exam? So um, ACOG recommends that um, you start as early as age 13 to 15. And that's just to kind of introduce, you know, that young adolescent girl to what this process is when you start to progress through life and what that looks like, the changes that occur. They can go to a, a gynecologist and have a well woman visit uh, or it's not a well a woman yet, but. Um, they can come and then um, they can get, you know, those questions answered um, as well as, you know, if they're starting their menstrual cycle, or if they're having issues with that. Because I see many girls that are 13 and 14, you know, years old that are having these issues. They can go to this this one uh, place to deal with those things. And you can kind of follow them throughout their teenage years until, you know, they transition over into womanhood. What should someone expect as they're coming to have their first visit with the gynecologist? Basically, we want to know everything it is to know about you, your family history, you know, if you have any particular medical problems yourself. Uh, we want to know if you've had any surgeries, anything about you that can be pertinent uh, to us making any decisions about uh, your care. Family history is extremely important because that can let us know if there's particular screening tests or things we need to look out for with you that can give us some indication of that from your family history. 
and just to also build that relationship, you know, with um, a provider that provides care for women. What sort of screening tests should women start to be getting around this? So we hear a lot in the community and the literature around tests such as a pap smear or blood pressure, cholesterol, you know, mammograms. What, what, what sort of tests should women start to have along their life journey, you know, to be able to address these concerns? You definitely get a well woman exam once a year, and depending on how old you are, there are certain things that we do do. So um, you don't start getting pap smears until you turn 21 years of age. And so um, if those things are normal, you get them every three years. Um, once you hit 30, if they've all been normal, you get them every five years, but you can still come for a well woman exam um, every year to get your cholesterol, check your vitamin D, your thyroid. You know, one of the reasons we do a pap smear is because we're worried about cervical cancer due to HPV or human papillomavirus, or we start to think about some sexually transmitted infections, you know, around that. Are there things that, you know, as a gynecologist that you counsel your female patients regarding these conditions? Oh, definitely. I always review, you know, what the pap smear is for, why we're doing it. Um, and, you know, depending on what those results come back, it can also dictate kind of what that care needs to be after that. I also always recommend for everyone, every woman to get tested for all STDs, HIV, syphilis, hepatitis B, C, and gonorrhea and chlamydia at least once a year, regardless of you being married or not married or in a relationship, just to know what your status is because things happen. And so you may not be in a relationship today, but in the next week you may be, and you may have unprotected sex, and that may not be something that you weren't intending to do, and now you don't know your status. And so, you know, it's good to do that at least once a year so you know, you know, what's going on with you. And as far as the... Um, cervical screening go, that's why the HPV vaccine is very important because that can definitely decrease that risk of having a cervical cancer for yeah, women. Absolutely. And I think it's important too, not just in our female patients to recognize that HPV vaccine is available to all of, you know, all, both men and women as they're in these teenage years to really help us. It's really one of these unique vaccines that help us prevent cancer, you know, and a common form of cancer in women. So I think it's very, very important for us to remember that. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about what you need to know when it comes to women's health. Valleywise Health offers exceptional care at over a dozen locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. So as a woman progresses through her life, you know, oftentimes the people are thinking about having children and starting a family. What are some of the tips that obstetric gynecology provider may give a woman as they prepare for pregnancy? You know, definitely is health. You know, regardless if you're wanting to get pregnant or not, your health is very, very important because that can dictate what you are um, at higher risk for. If you're overweight, if you're a smoker, if you drink, if you engage in these activities, that can um, affect your health and also affect um, your uh, ability to get pregnant. Um, obesity is one of the big, big challenges that um, a lot of women and just you know, nationwide, we know obesity is huge because if you're a woman, a man, or a child. And so um, being obese can definitely put you at a higher risk of preeclampsia and high blood pressure in pregnancy. So definitely 
you know, maintaining a healthy weight, a healthy diet, you know, making sure that your um, minerals and vitamins are where they need to be. So you can get a lot of those covered if you, you know, take a prenatal vitamin. Folic acid is very important because we want those levels to be at the appropriate place before you get pregnant. And that can prevent neural tube defects. So, you know, and that can all be covered in a prenatal vitamin. So most of the time I just tell my women, take a prenatal vitamin that kind of cover all the bases for you. And you don't have to worry about taking, you know, multiple pills. So definitely health. And if you are engaging in those, you know, behaviors of smoking and drinking to definitely, you know, limit or stop those things and, you know, be physically active because if your body is strong and healthy, you can definitely endure that labor process when that time comes, you know, when you are pregnant and you get to that point, you, your body can deal with those things a lot better as well. What are some tips and, you know, and, and discussions you have with your patients regarding the prevention of unwanted pregnancies? Well, I definitely, you know, want to know, I always ask them what they know, because a lot of times, you know, their cousin or their friend have told them certain things about birth control and that there's only one kind and, and all of them going to make you gain weight and just all these kind of not true things that that's kind of passed on from generation to generation. So I try to, you know, do my due diligence about explaining every single type of birth control method that is available to women and also um, get information to them on what their actual goal is and their plan are. Do they not want to get pregnant at all? Then maybe a long-term, you know, contraceptive method like an IUD would be better because that can cover you for several years. Or maybe, you know, I don't want to have any babies in this next year. Well, maybe a birth control pill would be a little bit better for that because that's something that you can start and stop and you don't necessarily have to get a procedure to do that. So definitely find out what their goals are when it comes to contraception. You know, one of the other concerns that we often see in women, especially as we start to progress, you know, as we get older, older around there is breast cancer. It's probably one of the most common types of cancer in American women. What can women do to help stay healthy and help reduce their risk of breast cancer around that? And then, you know, what is a mammogram like for women and what is that test and why do we recommend it? Okay, so we recommend uh, mammograms uh, for women to screen for abnormalities in the breast. It may not necessarily be cancer that can be found. There's other things that can happen in the breast that are benign. And so we do recommend those to start at the age of 40. Um, if you have other issues going on that present themselves before 40, then by all means, if we feel like that's something that you need, we would do. But typically, it start at the age of 40, and then you get them every year unless something else is presented that we need to do it more frequently or do some other type of examination, but definitely smoking, drinking alcohol can definitely affect, increase your risk, excuse me, of um, having breast cancer. Smoking can increase your risk of breast cancer because it can increase um, estrogen. And so when the body is exposed to more estrogen, that you have a higher risk of that. Obesity can also do that because our fat cells almost kind of create this synthetic version of estrogen. And so if you're overweight, you have what normally what your ovaries are already producing as well as all of the excess that's coming from the excess you know, adipose tissue. So then it just puts you at a higher risk of that, staying physically healthy. So it's all the same things that you do for regular health is what you need to do to prevent uh, breast cancer. You know, and certainly not all forms of breast cancer can be prevented, but certainly, as you're right, we need to make certain that we're doing everything we can, which actually leads into some of the next questions. You know, outside of cancer, 
heart disease is also one of the leading causes of, you know, death in women. And we've talked a little bit about exercise, you know, through through our discussions here today. What are some of the exercises that you start to recommend for women um, as they are beginning, to, you know, uh, developing through their adolescence and into young adulthood, adulthood, and then later in life? Okay, well, I definitely, you know, assess kind of where they are um, at the current moment, because if you tell a person who does not exercise at all, I want you to exercise 30 minutes every day and I want you to get your heart rate up, they have no idea what you're talking about. So definitely gathering that information to know how active are they already in their kind of regular life and then go from there. So the uh, American Cancer Society recommends that every adult get at least 150 to 300 minutes of moderate or vigorous activity a week. So if I'm dealing with a person that does not exercise at all, I may focus more on that 150 minutes a week and have them break that up over the week, you know, and start out with maybe doing a brisk walk, maybe put a couple of water bottles in your hand so that your heart rate, you know, rises and then kind of move from there. If I'm dealing with someone who exercises all the time, then maybe we'll do that higher end of the 300 minutes. And so they can, you know, do running, uh, circuit training, um, if they like doing spin, boxing and all those different things, hiking, those are things that can definitely get your heart rate to that place to where you're, you know, you can't talk and you're sweating and you're doing the things to get that cardiovascular exercise. Yeah, it's so important to do that. Family nurse practitioner Zaquina Coleman is answering your top questions about women's health. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. Are there any specific diets that you recommend for women as they're you know, transitioning through the various stages of life? Um, So definitely a plant-based diet is always a lot healthier because you're avoiding a lot of the the fats, the sugars, the processed foods um, by doing that. You know, if you're one of those people, I like my meat and I'm not going to stop eating that, then, you know, maybe eat more of the poultry and the fish and less of red meat. But definitely make the bulk of your diet fruits and vegetables, green leafy vegetables, you know, have a variety of color in your diet. Um, Try to bake and boil things more than fry things. So, and... And I know change is hard. Sometimes it's got to be one thing at a time. So I always tell my patients, pick one thing that you're going to work on for the month. And then once you feel like you've kind of got a handle on that, add another thing. And before you know it, you've made all of these life changes that in in the end, that's going to affect your health in a positive way. A key thing is don't try to do everything at once around this. Make small, meaningful changes in these areas. And you will truly see the impact um, in your overall life around that. You know, another thing that we see a lot about is is stress. And we know that most women will live with some form of stress, whether it be from, you know, their career, you know, their families, just normal household duties. Why is stress something that we as healthcare clinicians um, are worried about and so dangerous to a woman's health? Uh, So stress can affect every um, aspect of your life as well as your health. It can lead to headaches, migraines, GI issues like IBS, menstrual problems, depression, anxiety, heart problems as in stroke, um, heart attack because it raises your blood pressure. Um, You can even have uh, a decrease in your libido, um, and it can cause you to have uh, an increase in your weight and obesity as well. What are some suggestions and tips do you give individuals that help them manage some of these stressful Uh, 
Well, sometimes just breathe. <laughs> just take a moment and to kind of gather your thoughts and whether that be you need to write them down, if you need to phone a friend, you know, a person that you can confide in that can just listen to you. It might not necessarily give you any advice, but just to let you kind of blow some steam off sometime. You may need to do that to kind of recenter yourself. Meditation, exercising, and um, just getting some sleep. Sometimes, you know, that can be the biggest thing that's causing everything else in your life to cause more stress for you is that you're just tired and you, you can't manage anything else if you, you're, you yourself is not rested to be able to tackle today. So just to sleep. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful, wonderful suggestion. As we become more and more, you know, used to technology in our lives with our phones and all of our apps and things, are there any apps that you have you know, found useful for your patients or you recommend to your patients around being able to help them achieve their, you know, their goals for their own personal health? And so many of my patients, I'm not a big app user myself, but I kind of, you know, talk to my patients about what they're using. And I scroll the, you know, the Google store on the phone to see kind of what the new latest and greatest thing is. And so the Flow app is a really good one that a lot of patients use to track their menstrual cycle and their ovulation, um, especially women who have issues with irregularity with their menstrual cycles. That's a great tool to help them really identify, is it really irregular or is what happened to what's happening to me is normal? And it also allows them to know when they're ovulating because someone and don't know when that is. And so if they're trying to get pregnant, that can also help them with that. Um, the calendar is another app that's um, also used to help with if you want to conceive and, and tracking your menstrual cycle. And then if you're uh, pregnant and you want to kind of, you know, monitor through that process and know like what's going on when my baby is 12 weeks versus 24 weeks, there is uh, several apps called uh, Baby Center and What to Expect app. And both of those apps are something that women can use for uh, preconception information as well as giving them information on what goes on in their body during that uh, pregnancy time. There's such a wealth of information that's available out there and when in these apps to be able to help people understand more about their bodies and really initiate those conversations with their healthcare provider. But I just like to point out one thing that it's a it's a, a, a tool. So it's not set in stone on what's said in the app. It's what's happening to you or what's going to happen to you. So it's just more I want patients to use that as a means of information and not like the golden rule because you can also give yourself a lot of anxiety if what's going on in the app is not what's happening with you and so you think something's wrong. <laughs> no, I think I, I absolutely agree. I think it's a very important point is, is all of these information and all of these tools are really there is that as a tool. It is, you know, what we what we expect to happen at some point and really should be able to initiate that conversation with a trusted healthcare provider to be able to ask questions, you know, around this. This is what it says. Why isn't this happening to me? This is a great prompt for you as you're having your conversations with your healthcare provider um, to be able to do that. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about what you need to know when it comes to women's health. You can uh, make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. 
And is there any point um, along a woman's you know progression in her life that you recommend transferring care or transitioning care from an obstetric gynecology provider to a family medicine physician or possibly an internal medicine physician? Or is an OBGYN able to uh, care for a woman throughout the continuum of their lifespan? It all, it depends like specifically what they're we're managing for them. So you know if it's like your high blood pressure, your diabetes, or if you have um, some metabolic problem, um, if you're diabetic, we definitely want you to be seen by individuals that they specialize in that and they can give you that one-on-one attention that you need. We definitely we work in conjunction with them so that we can make sure that whatever you're coming to see me for or whatever I you know prescribe for you, it doesn't interfere with what um, the treatment plans that maybe your primary care or the internal medicine physician have with you. So definitely just have that interdisciplinary um, set up for the patient so that I can meet their needs as far as, you know, um, their gynecological needs go. But then they're also getting those other needs met so that we can make sure that their overall health is where it needs to be. Uh, uh, wonderful advice. You know, one of the other things that we kind of touched on very early on, but is important is as a woman is establishing care with the, an obstetric gynecology provider is around their family history. Why is that family history so important to us, you know, in establishing that care and that relationship with each individual patient? Because your, your family hit- history can Uh, let us know that you may be more predisposed to something than someone else. If everyone in your family has high cholesterol and you're a vegan and you exercise seven days a week and your cholesterol is 300, well, it may be something else to that and not necessarily that, you know, you're eating bad or there's something that you're physically doing to cause your lab results to be what they are. And so knowing those things about your family uh, allows for us to treat you and deal with you in the way the appropriate way versus us just giving you something that you may not necessarily need because this may be something that you can just have something like cholesterol or with breast cancer, cervical cancer, uterine cancer. If those things run in your family, then maybe we need to do other screening tests with you maybe a little bit earlier than we would someone that don't have those risk factors. So definitely, you know, talk to your family. A lot of families don't want to talk about health, but it is very, very important to know those things so that you can be informed and make good decisions about yourself as a woman. Are there any new technologies or home tests that you have, you know, understand or see on the horizons that may benefit a woman in the care and in their health care now and into the future? I think one of the things have been telemedicine has been just huge in allowing women and just everyone access to care that may not necessarily have been able to do it. If I am a single mom at home with five or six kids, the likelihood that I can come to the doctor as many times that I need to, or maybe I'm struggling with depression and I need to talk with someone. Well, I don't have anyone to watch my children. So uh, with telemedicine being in place now, you know, you can get counseling services if you need them. If you have something going on that you're not sure if it's something that you need to go and physically go into the clinic to see someone for, you can have this conversation with a healthcare provider via telemedicine to get your questions answered. And so if, if things need to progress on further than that, at least you can 
get that all set up prior to and know this is something that I actually need to do versus coming three or four times and still not getting your needs met. So telemedicine has been very, very uh, good in improving that. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the key, you know, improvements that we are going to see in this COVID, post-COVID-19 <laughs> world is really our adoption. One good of, thing about COVID. Telemedicine. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> As we finish our time here together today, what are three things that women can do now to take control of their own health? Um, be aware of your body and what's normal for you. Um, that means looking at your body with a mirror from head to toe, in and out. So you know what your normal is. So if it does not look like that, at some point, you know you need to come and talk to someone. And, and with that, you know, once again, make sure you're maintaining a healthy diet. Um, monitoring your stress, exercise, and just, you know, try your best to, you know, stay informed about your health as much as you possibly can. So if something does uh, change or is not right, you can get on top of it as soon as possible. Zaquina, thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> if you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.